In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem uh, from the mount called Olivet, which is near, near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey away and when they had entered they went up to the upper room where they were staying Peter and John and James and Andrew Philip and Thomas Bartholomew and Matthew James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers in those days Peter stood up among the brothers The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called, in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of the Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who um, have accompanied us during uh, all the time that, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justus, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles.
Great. Thanks so much, Pete, for reading for us. So the, the question we're going to consider this lunchtime at the start of this new year is, what is your agenda for 2020? What is your agenda for 2020? Uh, every end of the year, me and my wife, we take some time to do a bit of review, so we think about how the year has gone, and we also make plans for the new year. And let me share a couple of my plans this year. Uh, one of my plans for work is to work more productively, to sleep early, wake up early, and for fitness, to join a cycling race. So that's two of my goals. Uh, what about yours? Uh, perhaps it might be to achieve a milestone at work, to improve relationship, or maybe uh, just catching on the trend of being more environmentally conscious. But more than just sharing our goals for this year, um, it's worth asking if you have considered what's Jesus' agenda for 2020. And if you're a Christian sitting here today, uh, it's a question worth thinking about at the start of this year. You wouldn't want to spend the whole year missing out on Jesus' agenda, or worse, going against it. Or maybe you think this question begs the question, does he even have an agenda this year? Uh, you think about it, this year has started with a uh, big bang. Uh, the killing of Hassam Soleimani and the threat of war. Uh, there's evil out there with Harvey Weinstein. And maybe evil on our doorstep uh, with recent news of Reynet Sinaga. I mean, you know, all these things going on, uh, things don't seem to be going right. Jesus doesn't seem to be very present. And maybe he doesn't have a gender at all this year. So what is his agenda this year? Does he even have an agenda? And as we start this new series in Acts, let me suggest that Theophilus, the original reader of Acts, was asking the same question as we are asking today, maybe in a more acute manner. You see, the man Jesus that Theophilus was reading about, um, the, there was big promises that he was the long-awaited Messiah, the man who put this whole world right. Solving the political issues of the day, ridding the world of evil, restoring the brokenness in this world. Uh, but Jesus, he was nowhere to be seen. His followers were persecuted by the government, by the societies, by their own family members. Uh, so what was Jesus' agenda in the first century? Well, Luke's answer to that question uh, is a two-volume work, Luke and Acts. And the whole point of those two uh, books were to instill confidence and certainty that even though it doesn't look like it, uh, Jesus still has an agenda to restore this world. Uh, that's found in the very beginning of Luke. I've wrote that in your handout, the sort of excerpt there, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been accomplished or fulfilled. So despite what it seems, Luke's purpose is to create, inspire, to establish certainty in Theophilus. Certainty that Jesus really is accomplishing all the promises of old. He's the Messiah, the one that the Old Testament was pointing to. And Acts continues that assertion that it's all about Jesus. So look down to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, that's Luke or Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So the thing to notice there is that 
Luke reminds the authors in his first book in Luke what Jesus began to do and teach. But it also implies implicitly that Acts is all about what Jesus continues to do and teach. Uh, People say Acts, uh, the title of the book Acts is Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Let me suggest a better title for it. It is the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. And while Luke and Acts, they serve the same purpose, this is the key difference. Luke is to establish certainty about the earthly Jesus, Jesus when he walked this earth. But Acts is to establish certainty about the heavenly Jesus, Jesus as the risen Lord, ascended into heaven. And even though Theophilus didn't see him physically, and even though we don't see him physically today, that doesn't mean that Jesus does not have an agenda for 2020. So what is it? Let's, let's find out. Um, the, the start of the letter begins like a training room uh, in the scene before a war. There's a final brief before a big mission. And the first thing on the agenda, uh, that's the first point on your handout, is the apostles and their witness. So look down to verse 1. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the first thing on the agenda is apostles, chosen apostles by the commanding officer. Uh, The word apostle, uh, that simply means a representative, a messenger, or an envoy, and they were meant to be the representatives of the king. But also note, these guys, they were a selected group of individuals. It was those whom he had chosen. But it's not only about the individuals that matter. More than that, what mattered was that their witness, uh, their witness was the key element. And you see the content of their witness in verse 3. So look to verse 3. So two features there. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. The first proof, Jesus really did rise from the dead. Uh, In Luke, he let them touch the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet, and he ate fish with them. A new resurrected body, Jesus was with them. And over a 40-day period, he appeared to them to assure them that his vision of them, um, their, their seeing of him, was not a hallucination, and he really did come back from the dead. So that's the first thing, proof of the resurrection. The second thing was teaching about the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is synonymous for putting the world right. And the next question is, what will enable them for their task? And the answer, it's empowering by the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now You see a very similar idea in verse 8 as well. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And as Jesus was giving commands to them, in verse 2, he gave commands through the Holy Spirit. Uh, The same Spirit that filled Jesus' earthly ministry will fill them, enable and empower them in their mission. So that's the scene, the briefing room, uh, the commanding officer and his troops, and his final orders. And that's the first element on his agenda, the apostles and their witness. And if you stop to think about it, it's actually pretty significant. What is going to bring about all the promises of all? What is going to put the world right? What is going to restore this world? It's a group of men. And more significantly, their message. A message that will put the world right. A message that someone came back from the dead and will put the world right. And there's a magnitude to what's going on but it's also a sense of simplicity. And we'll explore more of that next week. Uh, So what is Jesus' agenda? Uh, The first element is the apostles and their witness. But what happens next? Um, How will this mission be achieved? Maybe you can hear the tension in the room. You know something big is about to happen. And that's where we come to our second point, uh, the key command or the key agenda. The disciples that pipe up and they asked Jesus a question. Uh, look, at verse, look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Uh, what's going on there? Uh, on first reading, it seems like disciples are asking a bit of a stupid question and Jesus is, is rebuking them. Uh, it might look like they have misunderstood Jesus' mission and they are being purely nationalistic here, a focus on the political Israel, the nation of Israel. Uh, but I want to suggest that that really isn't the case. Uh, firstly, disciples, they have been having the briefing over 40 days about the kingdom of God. So unless they were really slow learners or Jesus was a really bad communicator, uh, it would be unlikely for them to get things completely wrong. And in fact, if you notice, uh, Jesus only refutes the question on the timing of things, but not on the kingdom of Israel. So look at the question again. Uh, They ask, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And his response to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. And to their question of restoring the kingdom to Israel, Jesus does answer them. So look at verse 8. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that makes up Israel. So he is indeed restoring the question, answering the question about the kingdom being restored to Israel. So he only refutes the question on timing, but answers the question regarding Israel. And the last thing to notice is verse 6 starts with, so, uh, implying that that's a natural consequence following from verse 4 and 5. So Jesus mentions the the promised Holy Spirit in verse 5, and the promised Spirit is intricately tied up with the restoration of Israel and the world. 
very big Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Prophet Joel spoke about a future where God would pour out his promised spirit to restore Israel, but not only Israel, but the whole world. And maybe the concept of restoring Israel and the world is a bit strange. Uh, perhaps you could draw a parallel to restoring the United Kingdom to its former glory as a global superpower to benefit the whole world by spreading its influence globally. Uh, whether that's a good or bad thing, uh, I will reserve my opinion. Uh, but except, of course, in Acts, uh, it's Jesus on the throne and not Boris. So Jesus doesn't refute the question. Uh, the question was not a silly question, but it's a rather good question in light of what Jesus said about the promised spirit. So that's the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Or in other words, Lord, what is your agenda? Um, is your agenda to restore the kingdom to Israel now? What is Jesus' answer? Uh, we've seen his answer about timing. No, not now. Uh, it's not for you to decide the timing. It is the Father's decision. Uh, but look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what is Jesus' agenda? It is the Apostle's witness advancing to the end of the earth. It is the worldwide spread of the message of Jesus' resurrection. And if you think about it, his agenda in AD 33 is the same in 2020. His apostles, they don't get to speculate when this task of restoration is finished. It's the Father's decision, and until then, the agenda is fixed. Like the apostles, we don't get to speculate when this task of restoration is complete. Uh, he could come back just before I finish this talk. Uh, but until then, the big agenda hasn't changed. Uh, his agenda in 2020 is for the apostles' witness to advance to the ends of the earth. You know, Jesus is not like us when it comes to New Year resolutions. Uh, he doesn't break it after three days. Uh, this is what he's been doing since the first century right up to now. Uh, bearing his return when you walk back to office after lunchtime or when you have that afternoon meeting or when you get home tonight on your evening commute, uh, that would still be his agenda. Uh, when you eventually go for the Easter holiday that you've been planning or you complete that big home improvement project that you've been undertaking this year, his agenda is still the worldwide spread of the gospel. And sometimes we forget that this advance, this spread, is global. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the world, uh, these form like, key structural markers in the book of Acts. And we see that this breaks up Acts into chunks. Uh, but they don't only serve as a literary tool to help us understand the book better. Uh, it's the reason why we're here today. And you think about it, if you call yourself a Christian, we are beneficiaries of the global spread of the gospel. I mean, there's a reason why we're looking at this letter here, many miles from where it was originally composed. It's not limited by geography, by nationality, by race. It is for everyone. It's not limited to your colleagues, in your office, to your family, your friends. It is also for the person who tidied the pantry, the person who served you coffee this morning. It is for everyone. 
So the gospel is spreading to the end of the earth. And lastly, may I suggest that that this is the biggest, most significant thing that's happening in 2020. The thing that will ultimately put this world right, sort out the politics, deal with the evil in this world, deal with this broken creation, is the message of the resurrection. See, I'm not suggesting that we cannot have our own agendas for this year, or our goals for this year are not valid. I mean, it's good to have goals for work, or to get fit, or to protect the environment. But it's fair to say, like my goal of joining a bicycle race, I just pale in significance for Jesus putting the world right. And maintaining a healthier lifestyle versus getting alongside Jesus' mission of restoring the world. Having a plant-based diet versus com- the complete restoration of this broken world. I mean, some of these goals are not mutually exclusive, but let's be honest. Uh, our goals, our career goals, health goals, personal improvement goals, are somewhat trivial to putting this entire world right. Jesus is putting this world right. And the global advance of this gospel witness is the most significant thing that's happening this year. Maybe you need more convincing. That's okay. Luke's goal is to give you certainty. So if you want that certainty, keep coming back. You see, the task is so urgent that the disciples get chided for staring to the sky. As Jesus ascends into heavens and disappears, the disciples are staring blankly into the sky. And in verse 11, two men in white robes say to them, why do you stand looking to heaven? Uh, the command is already given by the commanding officer. The whistle has already been blown and the disciples are still rooted to the spot. And eventually, they follow the Lord's command. Verse 12, they head back to Jerusalem to wait for the promised spirit. Commands have been given. The Lord has risen to his heavenly throne. Uh, the chosen apostles, they're back in Jerusalem, waiting for the Spirit. Uh, there's one last piece of the puzzle to complete the witnesses. And more briefly, point three, the completed 12th apostle. A 12 is really significant. 12 apostles are necessary for the task. 12 is symbolic of new Israel, restoring the 12 tribes of Israel. With Judas' betrayal, there were 11 left. Uh, Luke really wants to show that the betrayal and the replacement was not a misstep, but a fulfillment of Scripture. Uh, he says that in verse 16. Verse 20, he quotes from the psalm uh, to show that Jesus choosing his betrayer and finding a replacement was a necessary part of the divine plan. So the betrayal and replacement was not a misstep, but a fulfillment of Scripture. But the key thing to note is this. Uh, the 12th apostle, was re- to replace Judas, was selected by, by Jesus, the risen Lord himself. There are two qualifications to be an apostle. They had to be in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and they had to witness the resurrection. There are two people who met the qualifications. Uh, that's Joseph of Justice and Matthias there. But look at verse 24. See who the apostles prayed to. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. Uh, let me ask the Lord there, does it refer to God or to Jesus? Uh, I want to suggest that most 
certainly Jesus. The apostles, they address Jesus as Lord in verse 6 before his ascension. And they continue to address him as Lord after his ascension. So Jesus, there, he indicates his choice through the casting of lots. Jesus is risen. He is the risen Lord on his heavenly throne. He chose the 11 apostles while he was on earth. He chooses the 12th apostle when he is in heaven. Matthias to complete the 12th. So the 12th is complete. The new Israel is ready. And that paves the way for next week. At the coming of the Holy Spirit. So think about Theophilus. As he's sitting there, watching the first century BBC equivalent about this new religion spreading across the world, getting a huge movement amongst the nation despite much persecution. And he, as he reads Acts, uh, that the global advance of the gospel is, in fact, the fulfillment of the promises of all. Isaiah 43, you are my witness. Isaiah 49, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. He can be absolutely sure that the Lord Jesus is alive, reigning on his throne. And as we speak today about the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus, the prophet Isaiah this is being fulfilled as I speak. The apostles' witness is reaching out to the end of the earth. That Jesus is alive and he's reigning. So two implications for us to consider as we head back to work. If you haven't considered Jesus' agenda for 2020, why not take some time this weekend to do so? Like I said, it doesn't have to be the exclusion of your other goals, uh, but for something so significant, wouldn't you want to be part of it? His agenda is for you if you call yourself a Christian and not just someone like me uh, in full-time paid ministry. Everyone is under orders of the risen Lord. I mean, I just happen to be paid for the job. Uh, So get on board this year. And lastly, if this is really something on your agenda and you've been doing it for many years, uh, stay on board. Don't tire. Don't shift. Be confident. The Lord Jesus, he is reigning. He's ascended. He's sitting at his Father's right hand. And he's drawing many people in your offices, in Com Garden, and around the world to him. Let me pray. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Lord Jesus, at the start of this new year, we ask that you might help us by your Holy Spirit. Please, will you help us to line ourselves up with your great agenda. And we ask this so that many will come to know you and call upon your name. And we ask this for your glory. Amen.